0: Good morning, everybody. So great to see you this morning. I'm so grateful for Pastor Brent. Uh, He is doing such a great job. Let me tell you, it's no small task to do announcements every week and to make them sound interesting. And he does, and uh, I'm so grateful for that. And he's doing a great job, his parenting skills notwithstanding. He is doing a great job in those children's, <laughs> in the, leading the children's area. I'm so grateful for him. And there is nobody better who can coach teenagers and challenge them to live a life after God's heart than Brent Parsley. So yeah, thank God for Brent Parsley. We're going to speak this morning, take a little break from our Hungry series, which is apropos because for many of you, uh, you are no longer hungry. 21 days... <laughs> Of prayer and fasting, many of you have broken your fast this morning. I was talking to Joel during the early service, and he was uh, he broke his fast with a Snickers bar, not something not something I would recommend. Um, It's not good for you, but uh, but many of you have broken your fast and uh, and so you're you're eating normally again. But we'll continue with the hungry series because what our goal is with 21 days of prayer and fasting is to to make our lives uh, to commit to being hungry for God, for His work in us, hungry for His will and His purpose. Instead of feeding our flesh, we feed our spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And so... Um so I appreciate you guys going with us and, and fasting with us and meeting for prayer uh, every day. That was really an awesome time. So I'm so grateful uh, all of you guys that came to those prayer meetings. That was a really awesome thing. So turn in your Bibles here. We're going we're gonna to speak this morning on baptism, uh, baptism, being immersed in Christ. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. And um, it's an interesting thing as, as we're building this church, you know, this church is about five months old, technically. <laughs> and uh, we had kind of a small group gathering before we started in September. But, but when you're growing a church, when Jesus is building His church, what we need to do is make sure that we have foundational elements in place. And I realized I have never spoken or taught on baptism at all and here we are we're going to baptize a bunch of people. I just thought we should pause for a moment and you should hear what I think about baptism and I should sort of uh, facilitate the growth that I think Jesus is causing in us and and we know what we believe and why we believe it and why we do what we do. Uh, I think it's important to be able to articulate that and to understand the meaning and the purpose behind water baptism. And so that's what we're going to do today. And so uh, we're going to talk about being immersed in Christ. Let's begin with Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Let's start in verse 18. Um, Jesus is speaking here. These are his final words to his disciples. And he says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, of course, every time you see the word therefore, you have to look and see what it's there for. Because, so Jesus gave authority. That's a terrible pastor's joke. Jesus gave a, his disciples authority, gave us authority. He had all authority and he shared it with us. He said, So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." There's three things that I see when I look at this little passage. It's not just baptizing people. There are three ideas, and I think those ideas are, he he says, therefore, go. Everybody say, "Go." go. One of the reasons that one chapel came to Austin, Texas is because the percentages are not in our favor. In the city of Austin. There's not enough people coming into the kingdom. There are some really good churches here. There are good believers here, but there needs to be more. And our goal is to go and to reach new people with the message of the gospel. That's what our goal is. That's what our purpose is. We came here not to just get refugees from other churches, I'm I'm okay with refugees because some of them have been hurt and some of them have had difficult process and some of them were on the fringe and they couldn't find their place. I'm okay with that. But that's not the fundamental purpose. Our purpose is to make sure the light is shining in such a way that we're going into the city and we're making sure that we're bringing people to Christ. Many of you know that we have issued this month a For the One challenge for 2011. For the One for God and His purpose and His plan and for one person, for you to lead one person to Christ in the year of 2011, that it can be a goal for every one of us. Uh, I think many times as as believers, we're not intentional enough. We don't pray specifically for people that God would lead us to, to bring them to Christ. And so it's, it's, it's amazing how when somebody comes to Christ, the people that are most effective in bringing others to Christ, you want to know who they are? new believers people that have just come to Christ in the last couple of years it's those of us who have been around for a long time and been serving and following Christ for a long time it kind of gets old and we don't quite a, we're not quite as excited i want you to rediscover the excitement the wonder the mystery of being renewed internally, of of becoming born again. So excited, in fact, that you're willing to share with others what Jesus is doing in your life. I wanna recapture that. I want One Chapel to be known for that. I want you to be known by your friends and by your family members, Uh, not not in an annoying, irritating way. You You won't bring them to Christ that way. But you've got to be able to share. You've got to be able to be intentional. You've got to go you can't just stay where you are. And so Jesus challenges his disciples to go. And we're challenge- I'm challenging you to go and to win one person, just one person to Christ and begin to disciple them this year. Second thing we see in this passage is you see Jesus telling them to, his disciples to make disciples. He's teach- he says to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. Now that is a challenging prospect. There is nothing in this passage that says, go into the world and pray a prayer with people. That's not what we're called to do. We're not going into the world to pray a prayer with people. We're going into the world to make disciples, to teach them how to obey everything He's commanded. Now, make no mistake, teaching them how to obey is different than just telling them what He said. Whew, that's a a long-term process, let me just tell you. And that's why it's so important for us as a church, as believers, to be connected with one another, to be connected in ru- rubbing shoulders, our lives, knowing what's going on inside of each other's lives, knowing what our challenges are, knowing what our hobbies are, knowing, knowing who we are. If, if we don't know one another, there's no way we're going to develop discipling relationships. That's why connect groups are so important. If you're not in a connect group, you need to embrace a group of people. You may have to go visit two or three because you'll go to the first one and you'll be like, I don't like these people. (laughs) It's true. There may be people in the body of Christ that you don't necessarily like. Sometimes Jesus will lead you to them and say, nope, this is your spot. You don't have to especially like them for God to do a work in you. In fact, sometimes his work is better done with people you don't necessarily like. But, but it's so important for you to connect to someone. It's not enough just to have an event once a week and for us to come to this uh, you know, sticky floor movie theater and try to you know, uh, 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 worship God and, and kind of sh- share together and then say, bye, see you next week. That's not enough for discipling. If you don't know what connect group to get, you can, you can find it online. You just go to onechapel.com. There's a little button there, connect groups, and there's a whole list. Go find one. It may take you a little bit, but but be intentional. The third thing that we see in this passage is we see Jesus saying, I want you to go. I want you to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want you to practice baptism. I believe in water baptism, but I believe some very specific things about it. And I want to share those with you today. When A few years ago, I was, I was on the Great Barrier Reef out, outside of Australia. I was, I was in Australia. I was there to do a conference. It was such a great, a great experience. And so we went out on this boat. We went so far out on the Barrier Reef that we, we I really couldn't see land. Um, we were out on an island. It was so awesome. It was called Daydream Island. Yeah. I did a lot of daydreaming there. It was awesome. It was just this little island, and you got to go, you got to go on like two planes and a boat to get there. So I mean, we were out in the middle of nowhere. And so we went out on the Great Barrier Reef, and I got the opportunity to go scuba diving for the first time. And it is crazy what they let you do out there. I had no clue about scuba diving, so they take you out on this boat, and you go out there, and you're, you're in the middle of nowhere, and. Uh, and they strap all this gear on you. You know, the, the, the tanks on the back and you have this little breathing apparatus and then you have the, the giant goggles and everybody looks really stupid and, and they, they have weights around your belt and, and you're supposed to jump in the water. They, they essentially show you how to do it on the way out. You know, the boat's going and they're showing you, oh, here's how this works and then you put this on, blah, blah, blah. And then when you get there, they're like, okay, everybody in. I'm like I don't know enough to do this, so I'm ju- so we jump in. We got all the stuff on, and then I, I'm, I it was happened to be windy and really kind of stormy during that day, and so everything was kind of stirred up, and and the wa- waves were kind of slapping up against your face so we're all in the water and the waves are slapping and the guy's trying to tell you what to do and how to do it and'm I'm, I'm, I'm just like this is awful this is a terrible experience there's no way I can do this and 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 then he says he says okay everybody strap it on all right now go down <laughs> I and, and I had this I had this moment of panic, and it's well known, I guess, in the scuba diving community, there's a panic moment, and some people can't get through it. Because I went down under the water and I was trying to use the apparatus, but I was like, this this isn't this isn't right. Because your brain says you can't breathe underwater, you can't breathe underwater, you can't breathe underwater. I go under the water, and then I'm like, oh. There wasn't until that panic moment I had to sort of push through it. And after I, I had that moment. I sort of rested. I started breathing. And as soon as I kind of gave in, as soon as I kind of got immersed under the water, there was like a calmness that came over me. It was like there was a whole new world. I didn't know it was down there. It was incredible to watch. It was incredible to see. We saw some incredible uh, fish and coral and even saw a shark. It, was, it really freaked me out. Like the lead guy was like, oh, look over there. And I'm like. Oh. So it was, it, it, was, it was scary. And he was, it was like no big deal to him. And so... Um, but there's something about being immersed in that. Something about, something about giving in. I think that the same thing happens to us when we come to Christ. Significantly, there's a moment of panic <laughs> when you come to Christ and you have to come to the point of surrendering, yielding. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Because what you have to do is you have to be willing to give up con- control. I had to give up control and yield to the apparatus, yield to what was allowing me to breathe. You can't breathe underwater. I don't know if you knew that. (laughs) And and so that surrender, that yieldedness, I think it's similar to what we experience when we come to Christ, and I think it's similar to the idea of baptism. So I want to give you sort of three ideas about being immersed in Christ and, and what it means to us, all right? First of all, baptism... Uh, is a There's a Greek word called, it's, it's baptizo, and what it means is to plunge, to dip, to immerse. That's what it means, to immerse something in water. That's what baptism actually means. Now, I know a lot of my brothers and sisters in Christ, there's some different ways that we baptize, right? There's sprinkling, and then there's pouring, but I... And which is which is great. It's fine. I believe that the baptism that Jesus teaches about to us about is actually immersing people, and I think it's not just. I'm not just talking about a mode of baptism. I'm it's, it's even though that is I think in some sense significant because it is what Jesus taught us, which I'll show you here in just a moment. There, there's, a, there's a mystery to the act of baptism, an intermingling of surrender and loss of control, leaving your old life behind, and coming into contact, embracing your new life in Christ. And so, very important for you to understand, Jesus' baptism was a baptism of immersion. That's the first big idea I want you to see. Jesus' baptism was a baptism of immersion. If you look right across the page at where you just were at Matthew 28, what you see is Jesus being immersed in water. Verse 9 of chapter one, of Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1 verse 9 says, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And you remember, we've read the passage. John was baptizing people for the repentance of their sins. And, and Jesus came to him and said, I need to be baptized. And John looked at him and said, are you crazy? I, You should be baptizing me. Jesus said, nope, this is, this is what needs to be done to fulfill all scripture. And so Here it is, he's being baptized by John as Jesus was coming up out of the water. I want you to underline that little phrase. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he was in the water. There was an immersion that Jesus experienced. And this word that Jesus is using here in Matthew 28 is immersing, dipping in, to plunge in. And that's this word that is is, um, in the Greek, it is not just a Christian word all non-Christian literature embrace this, this idea of the, of the word that they're using here, um, baptizo, to be to plunge something into water. And so Jesus practiced a baptism of immersion, so did the disciples, and Jesus orders us to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's important to understand. And and the reason I think it's important to understand, not just as a mode of operation, but as an idea, we are immersed in a decision to follow Christ. There is no way to sort of be half in and half out, even though lots of us try. (laughs) It's not a half in, half out decision. Being baptized is a full decision, a, f- a full commitment. There's no way to keep control of it. We cannot baptize part of our lives and keep the other part out of the water. And, and this is significant for us in the idea of what we're doing in committing our lives to Christ. You think it's all or nothing. You think of Jesus when he was washing the feet of his disciples in John 13. He gets to Peter and Peter says, Lord, you can't, you can't wash my feet. Look, once again, it's the same thing. I, I need to be washing your feet. Jesus tells him, He says, if I don't wash you, then you don't have any part with me. And then Peter, I love Peter, how he says these kinds of things. Oh, Jesus, then not just my feet, but my head and my hands and all over my body. Immerse me. And he got it right. That's the right prayer, that's the right idea. And I think it's significant, one, one of the particular reasons that we don't do infant baptisms is because I think there's a, there's a commitment or a willingness to surrender, to let go. As a baby, now there's nothing wrong with infant baptism, I mean it's fine, it's not necessarily evil, but I don't think that we are born into a church I think there has to always be a second birth, that we are born again, that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and there's a regeneration, and that decision to leave our old way of life and embrace new life in Christ is a big deal, and it requires a decision to be immersed. Baptism is about consenting to and embracing the newness of life, and not just a logistical issue here of why we immerse, not, a, not a, just a theological point, um, but there's something that we must choose to do. There's something we must demonstrate. Now, what we're going to do at One Chapel is we're going to do baby dedications because I do believe that children are sanctified by believing parents. Okay, I think that's what the Bible teaches. We won't take time to look at that now, but we're going to do baby dedications. So we're going to dedicate these little lives to God. We're going to say, God, they belong to you. We're stewards of them, and we ask you to lead them and guide them. I think that's important to do as a parent. And so, but 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 we're certainly not um, born into a religion. Uh, You have your upbringing, you have your experiences, no doubt, but there must must come a decision moment. And here's what's really important. If you turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. What you will see, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. All right, I'll wait for some of you to get there because it's not just the act of baptism that saves you. It's not just the function of baptism that saves you. See, I believe that salvation is... A separate work from water baptism. That you don't, uh, water baptism is not required for salvation. And the reason I believe that is found throughout the New Testament, but there's a primary verse that I think we have to make our peace with, and that's Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, not by works so that no one can boast. It is not a work of your flesh that gives you salvation. I do think that once there is salvation, a regeneration that's working inside of you, once there is a receiving by grace, by faith, the grace of God into your life, and you by faith take hold of it, there's something that happens that's Holy Spirit directed. And then look what verse 10 says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? So, so crazy enough, works are part of the equation, right? But not for salvation. There's nothing you can do to be accepted by God. There's nothing that you can do more to be loved by God. You receive him, you embrace him by grace through faith. You believe, you repent of your sins and you believe, that's it. But then there is an obedience that begins to come into play, and I think part of that obedience is being baptized. Being baptized, there's a work that God wants you to do because there's something in it that is supernatural. The beauty of passing through the waters, the the watery grave that is baptism the dying to yourself, the being w- willing not, not to receive salvation, but to leave your old way of life. That's what baptism's about. Salvation comes by grace through faith for free. But then there is a, uh, an act, there is a, an obedience to being baptized, l- l- saying goodbye to your life the way it was old patterns of the world and then saying yes to your new life in Christ. That's what baptism is about. So the second big idea then is baptism signifies our union with Christ. Baptism signifies our union with Christ. And it's a union with Christ in every aspect. Go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. This is the apostle Paul and he's writing to the roman people and he's and he's wrestling through sin and grace and how it works in our lives start in verse 3 if you go to romans chapter 6 verse 3 says or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his what does it say into his death <laughs> oh joy when you're baptized, what you're doing is you're 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 giving up. You're saying yes to the death of Christ and the death that needs to happen to you. Verse 4 says, "We were therefore buried with him through baptism." Buried through baptism. Immersed into the death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Here's the problem. There can only be resurrection if there's been death. And so there's a, there's a regeneration that happens inside of you. And as that work is happening, that's where we acknowledge, yes, I think God's working in that person. You know what? You've received Christ into your life. You need to be baptized. There's something going on inside of you. There's something happening inside your life, inside your heart. Come on, I want you to take the next step and be water baptized. Say goodbye to your old way of life and embrace the new life that God wants to offer you. And so so it's important for us to understand that this baptism signifies our union with Christ. We identify with Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. You know, it's interesting, when you go into the waters of baptism, like we've just, like my first story indicated, there is a sense at which you cannot breathe, you cannot live underwater. You're identifying with that in some way when you enter into baptism, God, I can't live without you. I can't live my own life without the breath of Jesus, the breath of God breathing in me. You, you recognize it. You identify it. You say, yes, I, I believe this. And in the waters of baptism, I surrender my old way of living. It's a good idea. So there's two parts. There's two parts to baptism. One is dying. <laughs> One is rising. Dying and rising. Notice the rest of this passage here. It says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. Oh, you should, you should underline that little passage there. Once for all. He is the only substitute for our sins. He is the one that has made it so that our consciences can be cleansed, so that we can be purified. He died once for all but the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, in the same way. You ought to underline that little place right there. In the same way. It's a similar way. What, this, what the Apostle Paul is saying, look, it's a, it's a little bit different because you're not, <laughs> you're not physically dying like Jesus did. There is something that you're putting to death. It is the old nature that you live in, you're being ma- made new. You're being renewed in Christ Jesus, and so you've got to embrace that with your mind, with your thoughts, with your heart, with water baptism. And I've seen it over and over again. People who obey the Lord in the waters of baptism, there is a supernatural experience that happens to them as they embrace and 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 uh, participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. There's something that happens inside of them. So. There's a a dying that we must embrace. Luke 9, 23, look at this. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. When it says take up your cross daily, there's something about this. You are at baptism, you are recognizing that this is the process that's happening in you. This is the process that you're embracing. To deny yourself, take up your cross and follow every day. When the resurrection happens and you come out of that water, look at Philippians 3, verse 10. You don't have to turn there. I'll just put it up on the screen. I want to know Christ, the apostle Paul says. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow... I, know, I like that little word. And so somehow, I don't know how it works. I'm not sure of how it all happens inside of me. It's a bit of a mystery, but the power of God comes inside of me. The power of God comes alive in my heart, in my mind, in my soul. I'm, the regeneration ticks into high gear, and there's something that's happening to me. I'm embracing newness of life. And he says, So somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Third big idea. Baptism is a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. It's a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. Now, here's why that's so important to understand. The physical demonstration is the act of participating in water baptism. But there is a supernatural process that's also part of it that I think is engaged when we obey. Okay, so it's an amazing thing. Um, When you read this, um, in the same way verse 11 says in Romans 6, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The act of baptism is, is not enough. There's something else that becomes part of the process, and it's called faith. There is an obedience to the action that then releases something supernatural. There is something spiritual in the process that feeds into the act of obedience. And so I believe this is what happens in a believer's baptism. It is an outward sign of an inward process that's already begun. It's an inward, outward sign of an inward process that's already begun. And it continues that process. We call this believer's baptism. This is a believer's baptism. It's people who've believed, people who've made a commitment to Christ. We must receive the word and the work of Christ and then we're baptized. I want to say these last three ideas to you and I want to share these concepts with you. We're just about to the end. But I think there's something very important that we have to recognize about this experience. The first idea is that baptism is is very personal. There's a personal dynamic. There's There's a... Personal decision that you make to participate in baptism. Parents, I don't think you should pressure your kids to be involved in water baptism. I think there is an awakening, there is something that happens. Nobody knows what age that happens. We have to let them participate in their own process. I think if you've participated in dedicating your kids to Christ and when they're they're little and you've given them to God, there will be a day when they awaken, when they discover Jesus working in their life. There is a moment when they can participate. Um, (laughs) I know lots of people who were baptized when they were kids, and they've been baptized two or three times since because they wanted to make sure it took. (laughs) And I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Baptism doesn't have to be this uh, somber sort of, um, I don't know, um, there's, there certainly is death involved, but there's something about it when you say goodbye to your old way of life that's happy for you. It's like I don't like the way I used to live. The way I used to be was really not very nice. Some people, you know, we baptize them and they need to be held under a little longer. They, they got a little more. They got a little more on them, and so you, 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 I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. But there is a death, but there's something wonderful about giving up your own plan, because your own plan is so hopelessly inadequate for your life. God's plan is so much better than anything you could dream up. And baptism is saying yes to that. It's saying goodbye to who you were, and yes, hello to who you're becoming. That's a wonderful thing. The church that I came from, the experience was really full of joy and excitement. Uh, New Life Church in Colorado Springs, we had big baptism services. I mean, we'd get out the the the, the, we'd get the band up there, and we I mean, crank up the music, and we'd worship together. The way we did it was we did it in uh, horse troughs. Yeah, it was it was really funny to see these horse troughs. It was like we were backwoods hicks and we'd bring out the horse troughs and then put little blocks on each side of them and people would step in and you know they'd sit down and then they'd be baptized and we used to baptize a couple hundred at a time and it would it was crazy if you're the 159th person ooh. you really had to have faith to step into that water there was a skim of stuff over the top it was really not good now to <laughs> It was really nasty, but I, I, I really believe when you have faith and you believe that Jesus is doing something in you, you can step into water like that. You can eat any known thing. You can eat poison and it won't harm you. That's what the Bible says. Today, the baptism will be substantively better. No horse troughs today. But, but I kind of enjoy that angle of it. I don't wanna to create too serious of an idea about this, this somber commitment. No, this is a good idea. This is a party. This is embracing new life and what Jesus wants to do in you. I'll, I'll, and you'll see it today, man. I don't want to. I don't. I, I don't. I don't want us just coming around and being silent, and quiet. You'll, there'll be music playing, and people will will be cheering and whooping and hollering. I think we should enjoy what Jesus is doing in other people's lives. It's a personal experience, but it's a personal experience of joy. It identifies your life with Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. It is a personal profession of faith and an act of obedience. It's wonderful. Secondly, baptism is communal. It's supposed to be communal. Isn't it interesting that you can't baptize yourself? You're being baptized into a community. You're joining what Jesus is doing in others. You are being ushered into the, the, the work of Christ in a community of people. And I think the community of people, when we get together as a community, we are making a profession of faith to the community, providing an opportunity for both celebration, people enjoying it with you, and accountability. See, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm embracing the work of Christ in my life and I want everybody else to know. And when they know, now you're going along in the journey with them. And as, as you go through difficult parts of your journey, somebody needs to come up next to you and be able to say, hey, brother, you're thinking wrong. You're, you're kind of getting off the trail here. Remember, you were baptized. You said goodbye to your old way of life, and you're embracing the newness of life in Christ. Christ. Remember that. That's you. That's who you are. Remember what Jesus has done in your life. Don't mess with that stuff in the world. In fact, if you read through the next few, pas- uh, next few verses in the passage in Romans 6, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul does. He says, don't mess with that stuff in the world. That'll just, that'll just mess you up. You, we have to remind one another of who we are and what Jesus is doing in us. That's what baptism does in a community together. It creates celebration and accountability. It's a sign of your obedience and stirs the hearts of all who witness this baptism. As we watch people being baptized today, you know what's gonna happen in us? We'll be like, oh, I'm reminded. The miracle the miracle of a person being born into the kingdom. I'm reminded of the miracle of saying goodbye to my old ways and habits and patterns of life and embracing what Jesus is doing. That's such a wonderful thing. And then finally, baptism is experiential. It is not just a, it's not just a physical act. It's a physical act engaged by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit engages us and encourages us with joy, In our obedience and newfound life in Christ, the Holy Spirit always responds to humble obedience in faith. Remember that. And that applies to baptism just as much as it applies to doing the right thing every day. When faced with temptation, the Holy Spirit always responds when you act in faith in obedience. That's a miracle. And baptism is part of that miracle. So I want you to just consider this for a moment. Let's pray. And I want you to think about what we've talked about today. I want you to consider how you might be immersed in Christ. I want you to consider what Jesus is doing in you and what he wants to do in you. And maybe today you're here and you find yourself here, but your, your life with Christ, you've kind of had, you've tried to have one foot in and one foot out. Maybe your life with Christ has been dull and dreary because you've been dabbling in your old ways of life. You want to you be immersed in Christ. You want to get both feet in. You want to surrender control and you want to yield control today. I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to do it right here in your seat. So if just all over the room, if you just close your eyes and kind of bow your heads, just nobody looking around. I just want you to have a moment with Christ, a moment by the Spirit where He's speaking to you and calling to you. Two kinds of people today. One, a group that made a commitment earlier in their life, earlier in your life, and it everything's waned. It doesn't seem to be like, like you're following. You're not committed to Christ, and you want to renew your commitment today. You want to come back to him. I want to I give you an opportunity to do that. I want to give you an opportunity to say yes. I want to I renew my commitment to Christ. I I understand what you're saying and I understand the ideas and I have not been living according to those ideas. I want to embrace you. I want to embrace those ideas. I want to embrace Christ. The other type of person in this room, I think maybe you find yourself here today and you've really never followed Jesus. You've really never officially somehow given your life to Christ and you find yourself here by someone else's invitation or out of curiosity and I want to give you an opportunity to make a commitment to Christ. So whether it's the first time or the first time in a long time, I want you to respond to the work of the Spirit in you. And I, with nobody looking around, I just want you to put your hand up in the air, just me and you, yep, I see you, anybody else? Put your hand up in the air and just make sort of a, this, this confession to him yeah, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be regenerated in my heart today. I want to be renewed in my spirit, in my soul. Yep, I see you, brother. I want to embrace what you're doing. Anybody else? Anyone else? Yep, I see you. That's good. I'm just going wait, to keep waiting for a second. There's no, yep, I see you. There's no reason, there's no reason to wrestle. If you have that pounding in your heart, if, if you've got that gut feeling, oh, I really, oh, I think I should respond, but I'm embarrassed, or I don't know what, don't wrestle. Just surrender. If you have a moment of panic, like I had at the Great Barrier Reef, just surrender. It's so wonderful. Anybody else? It's good. Now, we all say things we don't mean Way too often But I want to lead you in a prayer Where you're going to say some words And I'm going to lead you in it But it's not the words that really make the difference It's your faith It's believing It's embracing what Jesus has done inside of you And so I want you to all pray with me Let's all pray this prayer together and Let's commit our lives to Christ Once again Everybody repeat after me Say Heavenly Father Say it a little stronger Say Heavenly Father Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for rescuing me. I give my life to you. I surrender my life. I want you to have full control. My plan isn't working. I want your plan for my life. So I surrender. I receive you into my heart, into my life. I embrace you. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Make me into a new person. Change me. Heal me. Call me into your service. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, I thank you for all that you're doing in hearts all over this room. We want to be committed to you and to your plan and purpose we embrace you we want to be immersed in you help us to be a group of people that are consumed by you to do your will to expand your kingdom to live as lights in the darkness Father thank you thank you for what you're doing we love you we receive your work. Seal it in every person here. Seal it in every one of our hearts. Not just those who raise their hand, but every one of us seal that work. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen that's such a good thing. Listen, if you committed your life to Christ today or renewed your commitment, if Jesus did something special in your heart, I'd love to know about it. So get your little connection card. If, if you have one in your worship guide, that little connection card and, and mark that box that says that, that I committed my life to Christ today. I'd love to know about it and I'd love to help you with next steps. And so would you do that for me? You can drop it in the offering as it goes by. That's the last thing we're going to do is we're going to uh, uh, give and our tithes and offerings. We're going to receive an offering today. And so uh, if you're new here, we certainly don't expect you to give in it, but this is something that we've committed to do as a group of believers. We believe that giving is something that God has done so, I mean, he, the, the scripture says in John 3:16, God so loved the world that he gave. And I think when we give, we become more like him. We are made more into his image. And so there's a, there's a worship component here to our giving. It's, it's not a duty. It's not something we have to do. It's been an incredible thing to watch. I, I was writing the letter this week uh, that you're going to receive here at the beginning of the week about all that Jesus has done in 2010. And it is incredible as I was articulating it and I was writing it, I, I was getting excited. I was like, wow, Jesus, you've really done some wonderful things. You're doing things among us. And we were able to give to missions work all across the globe. We were able to give to people in need because of your faithfulness, because of your worship. And that is an awesome thing to behold. And so, uh, so uh, would you prepare to give your tithes and your offerings today to expand the kingdom of God. Stand up with me and let's pray over it before we give. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done in us. Thank you for what you're doing at One Chapel. Thank you for, for putting a group of people together to be the light. Thank you for another expression of the body of Christ in Austin through through what you've what you're building here. And Lord, we pray that you would call us in greater ways to be consumed by you. And we give in this offering because we believe in this process. We give because we believe that there's an expansion of your kingdom that happens when we're willing to give. And so Lord, use what we have. We offer it in faith. We offer it with joy. We offer it in worship to you. Use it as you will. We thank you for it in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord as we give this morning.